0: This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management.
1: When most customers don't want to answer their phones, how are retailers supposed to stay connected? Avoiding spam filters in email and even phone calls requires more time than anyone has time for. So how do local businesses break through when the phones stop ringing? The answer is to use mobile phones differently by driving sales and appointments through text messaging. Join host of Retail Retold, Chris Ressa, with marketing and CX expert Jay Bear and Logan Wooden from Podium on January 13th to learn how you can drive retail sales with text messaging. Sign up today at bit.ly slash Podium Retail to learn how to create your most effective customer messaging strategy yet. That's bit.ly slash Podium Retail to join us on January 13th.
0: Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. Today, I am joined by Ethan Chernowsky. He is the VP of Marketing for Placer.ai. I am really excited for him to be here. We're going to be talking about the top five foot traffic trends in 2021 and give you some insight of what trends might be like in 2022. Welcome to the show, Ethan. Thanks so much for having me, Chris. It's great to be here. Yeah, man. So before we jump in, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what you do and who Placer is?
2: So Placer is a location analytics company. Simplest version is people vote with their feet. And we are showing you how they vote across the United States Retail locations every single day. Uh,
0: I lead our marketing efforts, and yeah, it's a, it's a nice quick one. That is a quick one. And you've been doing a good job. I've been seeing you from a marketing end. I, see, I I. I. Every time I pick up the Wall Street Journal, you guys. You guys. You're doing a good job with PR. You get. I see. A, I see a placer citing in in the journal often. So, okay. You've been on before, but I want to give everyone. We have a new, uh, a new segment that you didn't, you didn't participate in last time. We call it Clear the Air. Get to know Ethan a little bit more. I've got three <laughs> questions for you. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. All right. Question one. When's the last time you did something for the first time? Oh, something real for the first time <laughs> in June.
2: Okay. What'd you do? I, I did a woodworking class. Oh. I, made a pl- I made a planter. It was, it was not successful, but it was new.
0: Are you going to continue with this woodworking hobby? Oh no, I did it once and that was it. That was it. That was it. That's really cool. It's, can you appreciate that? It's a skill though, for sure.
2: Oh, anybody who can make a straight line with a saw to me
0: is like a a superhero. Touche. Okay. Question two. And it can't be woodworking. What is one skill you don't possess but wish you did?
2: <laughs> we do woodworking? I mean, so oh, I'll, give you, I'll give you two. I wish I could speak more languages. And I wish I was faster. I'm very slow. <laughs> at running? At running. Like, okay. hopefully, hopefully just at running. <laughs> but I'm a very <laughs> slow runner. Like, it's too much. Like, it's, it's, it's not fair.
0: So <clears throat> let's, let's go back to this running. Do you enjoy running? I can't stand it. But it might <laughs> be connected to how slow I am. I think that is first off and are you better at longer or slower distances?
2: So I'm, I'm slow, but like, I'll push it in a short distance and, um, it's just like, it's less noticeable how much slower I am over a longer distance. Cause everyone's kind of jogging. Right. So I think that it's a little bit better for me.
0: Not to put you on the spot, but let's do it. Um, if you were running like a 5K, what, what, do you know what your time might be? Uh, or what's your like mile time?
2: I don't, I don't know my, my mile time. I think if I was doing, I, I, don't, even, I don't even know. I, I, I don't run that much.
0: <laughs> because you're slow and because yeah. you don't enjoy it. Therefore, yeah. you're slow. So it's a vicious cycle. Because
2: nobody wants to time the slow guy. Like that's <laughs> the worst.
0: <laughs> so do you work out?
2: I do. I do,
0: but not running. (laughs) Not running. Fair enough. Okay. Let's move on. Last thing. What is one thing most people agree with, but you do not? Oh, I, 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 and I don't want to, it's a, it's a teaser. I
2: believe that we're overly obsessed with rationality as a cause for consumer behavior. And I am a firm believer that human beings are fundamentally irrational, not in a bad way, but like we make decisions based on things other than what's the most efficient use of our time. And so, you know, people in my mind overemphasize convenience and underemphasize like experience and relationship and interaction, especially in like the
0: business world. Wow. I love that one. That's really... I, I like how you put that. I think people have been un- unpacking this in another set differently. This e-commerce versus brick and mortar, and and you said, and you, you didn't go there, but but you did go to this convenience, and you went to this place where I I, I agree, consumer behavior, <clears throat> people don't always do what might seem rational to somebody else, but but it, but for, they have their reasons as to why so. It's a really interesting point. Okay. We're going to jump in here, everybody. Normally, I will give everyone a little insight. Normally, I would prep with the person and I would know what's coming. I do not know what these trends are. So I'm going on the fly. I'm, I'm right there with you, audience. So let's go. What's number five? What's the fifth hottest trend about foot traffic in 2021?
2: Okay, so the, the fifth hottest trend is regressions, right? So we talk a lot about think companies that really impress us because they're growing really fast or that, you know, the warning lights are going off because they're declining really quickly. And that's normally, you know, quote unquote, a very normal thing to do. And mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense because a company that's rising, oh, wow, look, they're growing. That's something important to note. And a company that's declining... You know, that also, uh, it demands notice. But in the current environment, because of where we were, there's a lot of companies that are going to decline or rise. And the rise isn't necessarily, oh, my God, look how incredible they are. And the decline isn't necessarily, we should be worried. And I'll give you an example on the decline side. The home improvement sector is down year over year in many cases in terms of visits and many other metrics. It's not because Home Depot and Lowe's are weaker than they were in the past. It's just because they saw such a uniquely intense surge the year prior that the decline is because you can't possibly sustain that, and they're far ahead of where they were in 2019 or 2018. And, you know, on the flip side, look, AMC is rising, and oh my God, things are getting better month over month. That doesn't, They're not still not back at normal yet, though. So uh, regression is going to be a really important story. Uh, In terms of how we understand this last year and how we understand what's coming next. And it forces us to be much less reactive and much more focused on, okay, I'm seeing something, but what's the wider
0: context? A regression to the mean on both sides.
2: 100%.
0: Got it. And and for those, they talk about this, one of my nerdy hobbies is fantasy football. And we talk about, they talk about positive regression. So as, because when you think about regress, you always think decline, but there's, they do this with touchdowns a lot where someone will have positive regression and someone will have negative regression. So we're talking about regressing to the mean here. uh, And is that, are you saying or said differently that We're getting on both sides back to normal. Yeah, there's
2: outliers that are still doing interesting things or very surprising things. But yeah, visits look a lot more like 2019 than they look like 2020. And when we think about the last six months, I'd say. And so we, we are moving closer and closer to this place of normalcy. Even the declines that are caused by COVID surges are not as severe as they were even just a few months ago.
0: That's really interesting insights. I guess what comes to mind first, are there any outliers who saw a significant either positive or negative pickup that you see continuing the trend in that direction it's not going back to normal this is a new normal for them i think grocery and wholesale i'll even get more specific wholesale clubs so
2: costco sam's club bjs the unique nature of their jumps and their business model means that it's likely much more sustainable because once i'm willing to go over and pay that cost to be part of the club it has a very significant stickiness to us that makes me want to come back more and more especially when they can kind of you know, succeed in satisfying the demand that customers have. And so that's a space where the jumps that they took feel much more sustainable
0: than Hmm. another sector that doesn't have that same model. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought of that. And I appreciate that. Okay. That's great. So regression. All right. That's the theme. (laughs) What is the fourth? The fourth
2: is, this is the the call that we gave earlier. I'm going to talk about Convenience and at home being overrated, and what I mean by that, I'll give you give you an example. So, convenience in the grocery space. Early stages of the pandemic, grocery delivery was all anyone wanted to talk about. We're never going to go to the grocery store again. We're just we're always going. Why would we ever want to go? We we hate the grocery store, right? But the answer is we don't, and actually we don't find it all that convenient to shop online, and we probably don't even prefer it. We like. Walking the aisles, that doesn't mean I love picking out what kind of toilet paper I'm going to get, but it means that when it comes to buying cereal or meat or vegetables or what I'm going to cook for dinner that week, there's—it's the grocery experience is a physical in-store experience that we enjoy, and we're proving that because those numbers are declining even though we had this unique environment where we were kind of pushed to use it much more. The other example and i I, I kind of like this one even more is you know peloton, right At the early stages of the pandemic, when gyms were getting hit hardest, we were obsessing over peloton and I never need to go to the gym again. I'm gonna do everything in my house. look, I too I bought weights to have here in my home because I couldn't go to my gym as as often as I was going or at all and yet, as soon as we are able to go back to the gym, the numbers are surging for the wider fitness sector and for leading brands in the space. Peloton had a really rough Q3. And it's not because Peloton isn't amazing. It's because we like being social. We like going places. We like experiencing things. And even these elements that we might have complained about in the past, we're actually proving that we we enjoy them.
0: So, so true. I, the I'll give you one that you should... Check on that. So, convenience is overrated. I love that little line. But so, as it relates to the gym, I think it's interesting. So, in my garage, I have a gym that's taken me years to build out because of all the equipment. I have mostly Rogue Fitness, which is top of the line stuff. And if I, you could honestly, I don't care what sport you're in. If you were training for the Olympics and you just and your and your and your non-sport specific training is done in my garage, you would be fine. I've got everything. Now, my wife still has her gym membership. And she still has her gym membership because part of going to the gym, she needs to get disconnected from the house and the act of going to the gym is just as important as the workout itself. For her, and so I think that 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 was an interesting point. Where to me, when she was like, I, "I need to actually get in my car, drive to the gym, and have the act of going to the gym for me to enjoy the workout." As much as the workout is important, so is the act of going to the gym. And so <clears throat> I use my gym as much as possible because I've got this crazy gym in my house that's uh, like literally insane, but. Um, there's something to be said for the act of going to the gym. Actually, I also, something that you should track, I'm sure you do. I, I was a, a moderator on a panel and there was an F45 franchisee, which is like Orange Theory Fitness. And I asked him, is there anything that's changed in your business model because of the pandemic that you, that you didn't expect or has changed forever? And, and he said something really simple, which is, I now have afternoon classes. I said, what do you mean? He goes, a lot of people you know, who are working from home will now, now want to have the ability to work out at lunch. So it's not that they're not going to the gym just times different. They don't, they're not forced in the morning or at night. They can, you know, mosey on in the middle of the day and go to F45 and work out. I thought that was interesting and probably something you track. So
2: we had this conversation, interestingly enough, I was obsessed with this idea of like, what about consumer? I know we're going go on a crazy tangent, but whatever. it's, it's a fun one that we're that incentivizing behaviors that were different pre-pandemic. I spoke to one person from the fitness sector and he said, it's not my job to incentivize behaviors. It's my job to be there when the customer wants to be. But I still get this feeling of like, if I was running a grocery store and I saw that the people who are coming at 10 or 11 a.m. because they're working from home on a Tuesday are spending 55 minutes instead of 50 minutes in my store and they're buying, you know, $10 more of goods because they have the time to think about what they want to cook and prepare and it's less stressful. I'm, I'm figuring out ways to get them in there. I'm like, hey, you come at these hours, you're getting something free from the bakery. Come at these hours, you're going to have a, a, like a much more personalized experience at the gym. Like, I, I feel like we learned in this holiday season, even like with you know, Target, Walmart, Best Buy, pushing those visits earlier in the season because they were worried about labor shortages. and They were worried about supply chain. And it created this win-win for the retailers and for the customer. And it's, it's actually, I, this is the idea I've been obsessing over for the last week and a half, two weeks is are we entering this new phase of retail where like retailers are thinking in a much smarter, more sophisticated way of how to create that win-win with the customer. I think it's, I think it's working. I think we have proof from this, you know, holiday season.
0: I, I, I think you're right. And, uh, I think the question you ask comes from your background. That's a marketing guy's answer. Let's give him a free, <laughs> let's give him a free croissant to get him in here. That's a marketing guy. <laughs> heard one. Also a guy who loves croissants. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. All right. So number five was regression. Number four was convenience is overrated. Number three. All right. Number three is what we're going to call uh, the nice to have. Right.
2: So we think about the brands that really succeeded. In 2021, even in 2020, brands like uh, Target, Walmart, Best Buy, curbside pickup, launching delivery really fast, uh, you know, buy online, pick up in store, uh, delivery capability, uh, capabilities. And I think what we often kind of misconstrue is that like, oh, they, you know, this need came up and here they were and they figured out a way to do it. It's like, no, Target, Walmart, Best Buy you know, even Costco, we talked about before, they invest years and time and resources and where they think retail is going. And when that kind of lightning in a bottle moment comes, they're ready for it. It's because of the investment. And so we hear this so much when we talk to vendor, when we talk to companies as like a technology vendor of like, are you a need or are you a nice to have? And I used to, you know, get into this thing of, oh, let me explain to you why we're a need. But now I kind of reject the premise. I was like, the best, the most successful companies in any space don't live in the need. They live in the nice to have. They they look at where the sector is going. Where are my competitors not gone yet? How do I get there faster? How do I create a better experience? And so I think seeing how quickly these brands were able to adapt and take advantage of this opportunity is gonna push so many more to start really thinking ahead and utilizing new technologies and utilizing new approaches so that they can be ahead of it as the retail world continues to evolve.
1: No one likes dealing with snow and ice, but wouldn't it be great to know that your commercial properties are being handled by a team who cares? U.S. Snow Pros teams have the skill and experience to ensure your properties receive the correct service on time. Not only can you rest assured your properties are being serviced, but they will also update you throughout the process, leaving nothing to wonder. Getting your employees and patrons in and out of your properties safely during winter weather can be challenging. Call U.S. Snow Pros at 609-332-3701 to see how they can help make a difference, or send an email to mike at ussnowpros.com.
0: I, I think that's right? where I think some companies are and especially the small business is the capacity for nice to have is really hard. I think at big business, right? Amazon and Walmart are always focused on nice to have. And when the time comes, they, it looks like they hit lightning in a bottle, but it's like, it's the old adage of an overnight success takes 20 years. So I, I, I think, right. So, But I think there's a challenge for those businesses that don't have the capacity to invest for nice to haves in the moment. And look ahead, you want to say something? Let me disagree. Right? Go ahead. Because
2: it doesn't have to be huge. All right, let's, let's go back to our gyms. I I work at a gym that is class based. Like you go, you spend an hour there. You have the trainer, you have the class. You take with the people. You know, you take it with. During the pandemic, they utilize the the mobile app that they were just using for scheduling and booking a spot to send us workouts every single day that we could do and it was they gave away they took hey take as much gear as you can from the gym let's get distributed equitably and everyone will be able to continue working out together from abroad right and the WhatsApp group was super active and you know they it was something very simple it wasn't a huge change but it enabled them to keep that relationship over the several months that their gym had to be closed and so that when they reopened we were all still in you know we were like oh obviously we're coming back because you've kept this relationship up with us so i agree with you that something like i don't know robotics to improve you know delivery from like walmart that's not something that your average mom and pop shop is going to launch but there are ways to be asking hey what if i add make sure someone can do a, you know uber eats from my location How do I make sure I have scheduling services? My favorite thing throughout the pandemic was Best Buy in May of last year doing appointment shopping when the recovery was getting started. So I can only have 10 or 20% of the people I had in the store now in the store. How do I make sure they're high intent? Have them schedule an appointment with someone, which means they're thinking about what products they want. They're coming with a high intent to purchase. And so I'm taking advantage of what's coming in so much more of a significant manner and I think that is not such a crazy idea for any business. Team.
0: Agreed. I guess maybe I'm playing semantics because your gym example, to me, that was a need in the moment, not necessarily nice to have. That was fair. a need in the moment to me fair. anyway.
2: Well, We're, or I was just going to have to come to your gym. And that was, you know, that was <laughs> there
0: <you> <laughs> fair enough. Okay. So right. we got, we got. Number five is regression. Number four is this um, convenience is overrated. Number three is this nice to have. What is number two? Number two is right sizing. I think, and I I take this
2: word, not how it's just used with like, hey, I'm diminishing the number of stores I have, but in I'm changing the way that I am distributed in terms of my reach and the formats that I'm using to reach my audiences. So take into account here, you know, people who are strategically closing stores like CVS, right? They're not closing 900 stores because they're doing badly. They're closing 900 stores because there's minor shifts in their model. They think they're overextended and they can be more optimized. And that's a really smart, good thing if you're a lover of CVS, an employee of CVS, or a community that's being served by CVS. Because they're thinking about how do we serve you in the long term, not and how do we not overextend and, you know, put ourselves in a bad position in the long term? But I'll add to that other elements. So think about new formats, right, in terms of finding the ideal size. So Ulta's store and store in Target, Bloomingdale's launching Bloomies, uh, Dollar General launching Pop Shelf. These are different concepts. They take up different types of space, and they allow these companies to reach certain markets that they otherwise weren't able to reach. The Bloomingdale's example is, is a great one of here's this big Kind of high-end department store that needs to be situated in a certain type of space, saying, how do we get to the high street? How do we get to that main road in this really chic area? We need a new format for that. And I think that uh, more creative approach to how do I spread is fascinating. It's Sephora too. Sephora going into Kohl's as a mechanism to reach the suburbs when they had been primarily urban area-oriented and mall-oriented. In my mind, is, is the... Perfect kind of way of showing how do you find your ideal size and your ideal reach in these new channels that are available to you
0: it's It's a good one. i My question is, is there anything from foot traffic that's led you there that you think ties into that?
2: Yeah. so uh, there's a bunch of things that we look at that always fascinate us. One, how do the how do the stores perform on like a per square foot basis? How do they reach the right demographics with them? So when you look at certain brands and you see that what they're, you think about what they talk about publicly when they say we're using, we're trying to reach this type of audience more effectively. And then you can look at the foot traffic data, see the true trade area, understand who's visiting and see, hey, does this line up with the, who they're trying to reach? In the example with Dollar General that we loved pop shelf. Think about the level of competition and how it's increased as Dollar General's expanded. Walmart's obviously super strong. Big Lots, Five Below. And look at the share of visits amongst all of those value lane players over the last few years and how tight the competition is. When Dollar General launches Pop Shelf, they're getting into a new app and to a new lane where there's less competition. And you see it in the data and you understand why that decision is being made. And that's where kind of, at least for me, you get so excited about the strategy behind these decisions and why they're at least, you know, likely to succeed. But I'd say even if they don't succeed, at least if they're brands that they're not just throwing stuff out there, they have a very clear thesis that they're testing
0: with these concepts. Hmm, that's an interesting one. I like the spin on right sizing, and I like the connection to the foot traffic you made and the share of foot traffic. Okay, down to number one. Dun, 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 dun. What is the top twenty-one hot? The top trend, foot traffic trend in twenty twenty-one. Go. Okay. This is.
2: I think. I, I. don't see how there can be disagreement about it. It's also the fluffiest. But fluffiest. We have learned. <laughs> we I have like learned in the last year <laughs> that the of the huge value of the physical location, and remember where we were in. January and February of 2020. The retail apocalypse narrative was alive and well. We were in the midst of, of dumping on Burlington for shutting down their e-commerce site. We were convinced that the world of physical retail was this slow dying entity. Malls were gonna go away. You know, it was just this good luck brick and mortar retail. And now here we are. The worst thing that could possibly happen to brick and mortar retail if you created it in a lab. If you were like, what could I do that would hurt brick-and-mortar retail, it would be the pandemic, right? And yet, visits, not only are they back in some cases, in many cases, they're above where they were in 2019. We see brands that had been digitally native, online only, expanding at a rapid pace offline. We're seeing the values of the store put on full display. So we talk about sales per square foot. We don't talk enough about how it lowers the cost of acquisition and how expensive it is getting to acquire users online. We don't talk enough about how important discovery is to the process, how important it is for lowering the cost of returns, lowering the cost of delivery, what it can do just for your overall brand awareness and the uplift even in e-commerce from having a store in a specific area. So I think we're the last Going from the extreme of where we were in terms of our perception of brick and mortar resale, and I say a very broad we, obviously, there's a lot of people who recognize this for a long time, and to see how quickly the pendulum has swung to actually, I don't even know if we are giving stores all the value they deserve, you know, and all the all the credit they deserve, that's a pretty monumental shift. And I don't think it's going anywhere. I think it's only going to be deepened as we use data and other technologies to Make that full circle connection to show, hey, you know, the store you just opened, it's not just about the, the stuff you sell there, it's about all the ways it lowers your cost, raises your impact in other channels too.
0: I said beautifully, I say it all the time. Uh, do you have the you know, customer acquisition cost is insanely high the, for e commerce only? Reverse logistics are a challenge. The discovery process. Is tough, um, all these things. And so I think uh, it's a great point. I do have a question. If you look, and I don't know if you look at this, just in general, all the foot traffic in America 2021 at retail stores, is it higher than all the foot traffic in 2019? Do you know that stat?
2: So I don't know that stat. I can tell you it is from about June on, our overall retail category, would looks as over. Eight hundred chains is was way up in the summer compared to 2019. Down in September, tracked back up to to growth in October throughout November. Had a dip Black Friday week, but just because of the peak of Black Friday was so much was so significant, and is back to growth already in mid December, even with Omicron. So, I think when we take into about the early part of the year, and don't forget like February was. Absolutely devastating because of the storms that were hitting Texas, what was happening in New York, where so many of these big chains have a large number of locations. So overall, I don't know if it's how it's going to actually end up, which year was stronger. But that second half of the year, I think retail was stronger in 2021 than it was in 2019.
0: Okay. Well, this was terrific. I really appreciate it. Any other... What traffic trends you see in 2022 that we didn't talk about maybe didn't weren't intertwined in our top five of 2021 oh can we can we talk about one? can we talk about the thing i like
2: the least can we throw that in is that a weird yeah, one Yeah, let's do that. yeah let's go the least one i the i will give this this massive preface because there's really smart people who made this decision and i don't want to like as, as if like they're not they, as if i know more than them or anything like that Every, there are so many decisions that don't end up working out that at the very least you look at it and you're like, oh, I see, I see how you got to that decision. It makes sense how you got from point A to point B, even though it's not what I would have done. The splitting of online and offline into separate business units or businesses to me is the 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 worst trend of 2021, and hopefully it won't be of 2022, but it. It is, it makes no sense to me. I have yet to hear anyone give me a good reason why splitting them actually works from actually serving your customer in the best possible way. And that is my, that is the one negative trend that I will call out. <laughs> well, I think. Play devil's advocate.
0: I, no. Yeah, I, someone I, has to. <laughs> I, where I go is I can, I don't know that that's the move I would make. I'm not behind in the boardroom of those companies and I believe that brick and mortar helps e-commerce tremendously just as we talked about. So it, it's alarming, but the math is simple for shareholders. And so I see how they get from point A to point B really simply. The math is, the math is very simple right? When you just look at it, <clears throat> I, I, I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but I think like SAC's online business is like 25% of the overall business. Yet it's, it's value is like, this is the same or more as brick and mortar, the brick and mortar. So to me, that makes a lot, of, you, you want, you want to, if you're trying to maximize value for your shareholders in the short term, there's definitely, I can see how they get from point A to point B.
2: But it's not, all right, so I'll give you one of my favorite data points from a past life when I worked for an online data company. What percentage of people who visit Nike.com also visit
0: Lululemon.com? Less than 10%, okay? So of all the people who go,
2: less than 10% of people who go to Nike also go to Lululemon which tells you in a time period of like i think i think we were looking at 6 months or even a year it was a long time period a long enough that you would expect i mean obviously if i look for you know athleisure you know pants i'm going to look for athleisure pants somewhere else too right they didn't and it was the same across the board with other you know athleisure and athletic wear players and what it told you was that Discovery doesn't happen online. It it obviously does. I'm exaggerating. But the biggest piece of the discovery process is in stores. It's in malls. It's watching television and deciding, oh, my God, my favorite athlete is wearing X. You know, and I think if you want your online business to thrive, your offline business has to why is Nike expanding stores? And focusing those stores on an authentic, interesting Nike experience, because they know if you walk in and you fall in love with the brand and you see the Jordan poster and the LeBron poster and you get caught up in the aura of what they're giving off, you're going to buy their products there. But more importantly, you're going to continue buying their products later on. And you, oh, you need a quick, uh, you need to, you know, get a new pair of shoes. You already know your size. You're feeling pretty good about it. You need a new pair of pants. All right. You already know you like them. Get get your re-up at Nike.com. But it's understanding that kind of symbiosis that's so important.
0: I would say under normal circumstances, that would be a drop the mic comment. And I would have <laughs> taken my mic and dropped it for you. However, let me play the devil's advocate I because, because I think, <clears throat> I, think as I as I hear what you're saying because I think a lot of people in my industry are are like I can't believe these companies are thinking about doing this right after all the data that's out there supporting the importance of stores and these companies were stores first they know they know if so that part I can appreciate with I can appreciate and I, I, I would like to see Companies that are thinking about that, keep these together because I think it's going to help both channels better. But again, I think it depends on what the end goal is. So let's talk about that for one second. If you bought a stock, okay, for th- I'm going to use round numbers. We'll use a company A, you bought the stock, okay? And the stock was $30 a share when you bought it. You've held it for five years. And it's $2 a share for four and a half years. And now I'm showing you a path that you can exit right now at $40 a share. At some point, you go, that sounds pretty good right now. And you're a hundred percent. And that's right. the, that's the A to B line. You're a
2: hundred percent right on the A to B line. My favorite, that's, I was talking about this with, with Robin Lewis, who I'll give a shout out to as someone who, who, you know, uh, has become a friend in, in kind of the wider space. We were talking about target target when they were at like the height of like, everyone was down on target and their CEO steps in. He says, he's like, spend
0: a billion dollars on stores. Yeah. He's like, it's going to be rough. Multiple it's be rough. right.
2: Like, just just follow me on this. Right. And and I think obviously you you know, there's there's something that makes sense, but I think so often the road to a failed company is the path to short term gains, as opposed to thinking in
0: the long term. And uh but I agree. Yeah. yeah, I for sure. I I agree, but I think when you're
2: and this is why we're launching an apparel retailer together, <laughs> so that we can test out all these theories. That's right. The big, that's the big drop for this one.
0: Right. Yes. My fashion sense, I think. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to be the merchant in this in this in this business venture.
2: So this is this is our public appeal. If anyone <laughs> knows a good person who's looking for a gig, call us as we as we start. Chris and Ethan's,
0: <laughs> you know, t-shirt at, shop. At, But, but the Nike Lulu thing was a really good example. I'm, I'm going to use that quote because that's a really, really good example. Um, for sure. So I appreciate it. Anyway, I want to, I want to thank you for your time today. This was terrific. I appreciate it. I hope your holidays are and were terrific. And, uh, Stay in touch, man. Thank you so much for having us. Always so much fun to do this, Chris. Yeah, for sure, man. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at Retail Retold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.